What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. I'm Noah Hiles. I'm Alex Stone. And Alex, we actually have some pirate stuff to talk about. Uh, great. First off, this is the first time we've spoke face-to-face, kind of, via Skype, in a while. So, good interview with Hunter. I enjoyed it. I'm sorry I never got around to re-editing it. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hunter was a great interview guest. He was. I'm very happy that you know we were able to connect. Uh, some good stuff. We'll see him in April 2020. I guess that's what he said. He's gonna pull Brian Reynolds on us. Oh yeah. So there's just gonna be a an abundance of injuries, and he's gonna get called up and possibly win the batting title. That'd be nice. Except for the whole injuries part. The batting title part was nice. I think that's where we can start the show. Um, I haven't been watching the Pirates as much on television. I mean, I've been tuning in to a couple innings every game. Uh, Not as much, my friend. Yeah, well, I mean, but, like, I, I follow him up on, like, stats and Twitter and everything, and I see Brian Reynolds qualified. Um, enough at-bats to be in the batting title hunt. Alex... How much of a silver lining to this season would it be if Brian Reynolds won the batting title? You know, I think the only part who's won a batting title in our lifetime was a Steady Freddy in 06. You're damn right. And you know what? That was a garbage baseball team. Even worse than this one. Almost guaranteed that team had more losses than this team will finish up with. But you know what? He made baseball washable. Over the last, you know, couple weeks of the season, you know, can he hold on to the batting title race? That's, I guess, going to be what the last couple weeks of this season are going to be like. Can Brian Reynolds beat out uh, Jeff McNeil and um and a uh, Christian Yelich? Yeah, and well, I was just gonna give him a chance. Yeah, and it's kind of cool because I mean, Sanchez didn't win it as a rookie. Uh, but he was relatively young, too. Like, he kind of came out of nowhere. Um, he wasn't expected to be, like, a super contributor. That was, like, his first year of relevancy and, like, a little stretch that he went on where he was a pretty good player. And it's pretty much what Reynolds has done. No one expected him to even be in the major leagues this year. And if he was, it would be in September. And the fact that he's an everyday starter and one of the best hitters in the National League is pretty cool and good for him. And I guess a good way to transition now is you said make baseball watchable by, but for Reynolds. I think there's a multitude of those guys who, if you want a reason to watch Pirates baseball, you're watching it for the individuals that just finish off good years. Like, I, I'm getting the notification now. We're recording this at 11 o'clock tonight. Josh Bell, another RBI, another single. So he's getting close to having... A 30 home run, 100 run batted in. You know, if he can finish off with like 100 or like 35 homers and and 120 runs batted in, like that's a really good year. Like I, that's something to watch and root for. Reynolds is somebody to watch and root for. Can Kevin Newman finish the season hitting over 300? That's something to watch and root for. Can Colin Moran keep putting it together? Is that you know the um there's there's a lot of guys who you can. You know, not much on the pitching staff to kind of cheer their way to the end of the finish line. But 
Starling Marte's having the best year of his career. There's some guys out here where it's, you know, you're rooting for them. Marte, not necessarily, but I think the other three who are putting together their first really good major league season, and you don't want to see that tail off even though it's a lost year. Yeah, I mean, this team is not played well, obviously, but they still have players, compelling players, as you were saying. This, there is still reason to tune in to AT&T Sports on any given night. Maybe not every night, but any given night. It's like, yeah, I can invest a couple hours in this team still. Even now, whenever they're at their, quite frankly, quite frankly they're most unwatchable. I mean, 5-24 and 24 since the All-Star break while we're recording this. I guess it's 4-1 now with Josh Bell's single, but they were... Oh, no, it's 4-3. It's to three. Moran just drove in a run as well. Okay, so maybe they'll win this one and go to 6-24. and 24. Either way. And you know what? That's kind of frustrating. Not kind of frustrating. Extremely frustrating. He's saying that out loud because if they would have been just 500 during the stretch, assuming a couple of those wins would have come against divisional rivals, which it almost certainly would have had to, the Pirates would still be in the thick of the playoff hunt right now. They'd be four games out of the wild card, three games out of the wild card. I mean... Yeah. I mean, as terrible as they have played, I don't think it's that outrageous to say they should really be like 12 and 16 or something like that. 12 and 17. And And even in that, it's like, well, they got a pulse. And what's even worse is, like, if they went five, they could have went 500 without the players they gave away at the deadline. Like, Dickerson and Lyles were not contributing. So it's like, this team could, like, you didn't really, it's not like they traded away, it's not like the Blue Jays, if they, you know, or like the Diamondbacks or somebody who just traded away a superstar and then, like, you know, the season fell apart. I don't know if that really happened to them. I'm just, you know, naming teams that traded away a superstar. Like, the Pirates didn't really give away that big of a relevant piece to their franchise, so it's like, they could still play 500 baseball. Like, take away Jordan Lyles and Corey Dickerson, this team still has the capability of being a 500 ball club. But they're not, they're not right now, or for the remainder of the year, probably. I mean, I, I wouldn't be 100% shocked if they play at a near 500 play pace, like starting, you know, right now through the rest of the season. I don't think that's totally unreasonable. They went a whole season at a 500 pace. Yeah. I mean, granted, it was, you know, ups and downs along the way, but they can do it. It's, this has just been, you know what? We said a couple months ago that that 11 game winning streak was the worst thing that happened to the Pirates. Maybe this 4 and 24 streak will be the best thing that happened to the Pirates. And that's a good transition. You know, this 500 team that we have right now, it just doesn't work. So that's a good transition. Is I mean, and Neil even said as much on uh, on the fan, on his show. He said, you know, this this is a little bit of an awakening. Some changes need to be made. And from a guy, and that's, I mean, that's a pretty, indir- you know, Wide open quote. You could take that forever. I mean, it could be a change in philosophy. It could be maybe being more aggressive in the off season. It could be you know changing guys' positions, or or it could be a change in the front office or 
and the coaching staff, which is what I think a lot of people were guessing that's what it would be. So, if is that what you think they're going to do? I, I mean, I would imagine it has to be, right? It, it has to be the end of the line for Ray Searage. And honestly, it should be the end of the line for Clint Hurdle. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm writing about something. I'm still in the process of writing at 11 o'clock at night. I've got a fun night in front of me uh, for the point of Pittsburgh. It's out now that you can read about about uh, Serge's quotes about how this team isn't pitching to contact. We used to, but we don't now. You, it, just going old man yelling at cloud mode, fully engaged there. But it, in a lot of ways, this season is not Ray Serge's fault. It's not Ray Searidge's fault that the Pirates were without their best starter basically the entire year. Trevor Williams, who was their second best starter, was hurt, got half, hurt halfway through, and hasn't looked the same since. Trevor just doesn't look right at the moment. Uh, Kella has been hurt most of the year, and whenever he has been hurt, he's been suspended. So there are a lot of ways where it's like, you know, I can only do so much whenever you're saying we're going to start – you know, Montana to Rapo is an opener. And Michael Feliz against the Dodgers, like... Yeah. And, and it, Michael Feliz, Chris Stratton, there's some times where it's like, you know what, this is still the vintage Ray Searage, you know, throw the fastball, make yourself work more. But I don't know how he can't be a scapegoat. Like, someone's head has to roll. And even if this isn't all Ray Searidge's fault, I know he gets, you know, the most crap for this two-seamer uh, pitch-to-contact mentality. That's not all Ray Searidge. That also comes from the front office. Yeah. It, it, but it, someone's head needs to roll, and I think it's going to be, at the very least, his at the end of the season. I don't think it makes any sense to trade these or fire anyone besides maybe, like, the bullpen coach if there's another run-in. Uh, like, like what happened with Crick midseason. I don't see how that benefits the 2019 team. I don't see how that benefits future teams. Like, at least let them cross the finish line. But 2020, I do not know how you could go with Ray Searidge as your pitching coach. And as far as hurdle goes, I think it probably be, would be for the best for him to say, I want to spend more time with my family, let him ride off into the sunset. Because... I have a feeling if he does come back in 2020, he would be on the hottest seat imaginable. And like Clint Hurdle, hate Clint Hurdle, he did so much for this franchise that you would hate to see his tenure end being fired May 15th whenever the Pirates are six games under 500. I think that's, you nailed it right on the head. I mean, Serge, if you're choosing one person to replace, who's the easiest person? Your general manager, which is pretty much committing to a rebuild. Uh, your manager, which is, you know, the leader of the team, or a pitching coach. The pitching coach is the easy answer. It's the easy replacement. I mean, they're they're important to the organization, but they're nowhere near as important to your manager or your general manager. And Searage's deal is up, what, next year, right? Like, I mean, he has the shorter life of a deal, so he's easier to get rid of in that aspect of it, too. I just think that... Similar to Hurdle, both of them. Both of them contributed. Like, Ray Searage, you'll be able to look back and say that he played a part. I mean, there was there was a, a point in time not too long ago where Searage was, like, 
Everyone loved the guy. Every, everyone thought he was the best pitching coach in baseball. I mean, he had his bucko blonde beer that, you know, tasted like garbage, but, like, I drank it just because it was Ray Searage, and he was the reason the Pirates were winning. Him and the shifting and Andrew McCutcheon. That's all it was. And... I appreciate him for that. As someone who was just, you know, in high school, happy to see the Pirates play competitive baseball. That was great. But there's been one definitive, aside from injuries, there's been one definitive problem with this team. And it isn't the offense. The offense, if you look through the numbers, even through all of these bad games, and there have been games where they, if they would have just scored three or four runs, they would have won. And that happens. But that's going to happen on any team. That happens to the Yankees and the Astros and, and the Indians and the Dodgers and the Twins and all those good teams. But it's been the pitching. The pitching has been the problem. And when you see guys like Garrett Cole and Charlie Martin, Charlie Morton leading the AL Cy Young race, and when you see guys like Tyler Glass now while he's been hurt all year, the limited time that he did pitch in Tampa Bay, he had the success that he did. And when you see... Mitch Keller struggling to develop, even though, he, yes, he had a good start his last time out. But there's just so many things where it's saying, your recent, your recent track record is not good. The pitching is the reason this team is not competitive at all. You have to go. You have to get rid of him. And I think the same goes for Hurdle. I think when... And it sucks. Eh, it doesn't really suck. I mean, I, I know... I, after Once I started covering the team, I really... My opinion on Clint changed a lot. Um, I think Clint is past the point of really caring. I, I mean, I think that he cares. I think he wants to win. But I think that we all know Clint's legacy and what it is going to be and what it, it's already cemented. And I think he knows that too. I think that he looks at this club and he just sees, you know, I'm going to play out my contract. Best case scenario, I'm still not going to win a World Series. Probably not going to win a division title with this group. I'm forever going to be known as for two things. One or three. One for being able to chew a ton of bubble gum. Two for leading Colorado on a miracle run to the World Series and then getting swept by a really good Red Sox team. And three, reviving helping the revival of baseball in the most snake bitten baseball city in the world. So and and all through all three of those things are admirable, and Clint Hurdle does play a very important part in Pirates history. I do stand by that. In twenty years from now, when I take my kids to the games, and you know, you see like him in like the historical montages, I'll say like I remember when Clint Hurdle came to the Pirates, and they were they were relevant every year that he's been here, at least until August. They were relevant. They were around. They were around the hunt. They were semi in the hunt, at least for a wild card spot, every year during the trade deadline except for this season. So I tip my cap for him for that. But, dude, I mean, he's he's made a lot of wrong decisions in the last couple of years. And I just think that, you know, we're not getting anywhere with this. It's time to move on. And I'm, I'm not going to claim that I have the answer for his replacement. I definitely don't want it to be, you know, Bannister. I, th I just think we're just signing up for more hurdle there. Uh, you know, Joe Girardi, I don't know, whoever it is. It's just, we just need something new. I think that that's, I mean, this is a hockey term, but I do think he's kind of lost the locker room a little bit. I mean, there's internal fighting on a clubhouse that 
I remember being a very happy-go-lucky place. So I think it's time to get rid of him too, which sucks because, like I said, good overall career for the Pirates. He'll be remembered as an important part in the franchise's history, but you, you've, got all, you've, you've got your use from this car. There's too many miles on it. It's time to, to scrap it and get a new one. Yeah, and you hit the nail also on the head. I think that's how you started the last. Whenever yeah. you're, st- yeah. you think to borrow a phrase, uh, it can't be Bannister. No, it just be Jeff Bannister. If you were going to replace Ray Searidge, if you were going to replace Clinton Hurdle, you were going to replace ideologies either. Don't half-ass it. We're gonna do this right. Yes. And, and for the record, for the record, I I keep Neil Huntington. For 2020. Yeah, I do too. Let him let Neil ride this out. His young guys are producing. Yeah, I I know people are lumping him into a lot of this also, and I wouldn't say he had a very good past 13 months, but in grand scheme of things, I do not think that he is the problem. I think his problem was that he didn't get enough money from ownership. I think that his problem was that the ideologies that he have are not as relevant today, which mm-hmm. is, and then it's also the players and coaching there, and I think that's also a big part. And some of it's bad luck. Some of it's bad luck. You can't predict. You can't predict McCutcheon going into a slump. You can't predict Marte getting popped for roids. Some of that's just bad luck. That can't. You can't judge Huntington on that. No, no, and that's why I think number one, why things have gone wrong. At least Neil Huntington tried to explain it, even though he won't say it. One would be, I had $75 million to work with this offseason. I couldn't afford anyone. My big offseason you know, moves were not trading Francisco Cervelli and Starling Marte, salary dumping them the same way I had to do Yvonne Nova. Number two is just random luck going against you, not working out. Three is, and three is the talent, which, you know, he is directly, you know, responsible for it. This is every player on this roster besides Starling Marte has been acquired by Neil Huntington Mm -hmm. some way or another. And I don't think after one really, really bad year that it's enough to fire him. I know people were clamoring to fire him back in 2017 whenever he signed that extension and all the bile that was coming out then where it's like, I can't believe, you know, we extended Clint Hurdle and Neil Huntington. It's like, look at the Pirates' last five years. They're one of the best teams in baseball. Okay, I know this has been a disappointing year or past two years, but these were some good teams that they put together. And even last year, they crossed the 500 plateau. And you know what? In a lot of ways, I'm. it's nice to not have that lingering thought of, oh, man, this is going to be their fourth straight losing season. Yeah. <laughs> we're one. The way there, it, it's nice to just reset the clock, even if it is completely superfluous. I don't think Neil is the problem right now, but I think you have to let him do his job this offseason. You have to give him money to work with. You cannot go in and say, we're going to have an $85 million payroll, and that's basically you're just going to pay the arbitration guys their money. You have to go through it again. If you do that, then maybe fire If that's yeah. all you really do. I mean, yeah. A lackey. Get a flunky to do whatever you want and let him go on with his career. Let him not 
he'd deal with the lip service, and he'll be like, okay, you know what, I'm going to take that next San Francisco job offer if that's what you really think. Yeah, I, I think that's that's well said. I mean, the guy needs one more shot where you've seen, and I think the the, the pressure of him not having that money to spend has made him gamble on some trades, and some have worked, some really have not. And we know which ones have and haven't. There's no need to go down that road again. And this isn't the Neil Huntington stand podcast. I'm not here to say that Neil Huntington's perfect. Like you were saying, firing him isn't the answer. I don't think keeping Neil Huntington is the solution either. Like there needs to be other stuff to happen along with Neil Huntington doing well. Like Neil Huntington alone is not going to fix this monstrosity that is taking place right now. It's got to be a lot of people. It's got to be a better pitching coach. It's got to be a new attitude. It's got to be a new philosophy. And he's got to do his job better too. And the players got to stay healthy and they've got to produce. Joe Musgrove's got to be better next year. Plain and simple. Chris Archer, if he's around, which I don't think he should be, he probably will be, is got to be better. Two-seamer. Like, all things considered. Kyle Crick's got to be better. Keone Kella's got to be able to play, you know, and, and J-Mo, God, God willing, just stay healthy. I mean, that's, it, it's on a lot of people. It's not just on Neil. Neil's got to be better, but I think Neil deserves a shot for 2020. But I think if this next year, this is the last stand. If they don't fire Hurdle this offseason, you know, everyone's got to go if they don't get it done this year. Everyone. And I'm not just talking Neil and, and Hurdle. I'm talking JB. I'm talking Tyone. I'm talking Vasquez. And we've been saying this. 2020, if you're not getting anywhere after this, if we're not making a decision, if we're not hot or cold, if we're just mediocre, or if we're bad, you might as well be, if you're going to be bad, be Baltimore Orioles bad and be cheap and just and just tank and commit to it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, 2020 team, I'm going to dub them the Suicide Squad. I'm starting it now. I it's, mean... You have no option. You, you, it's either win or or just blow it up. Arikari. Is that what that's yeah. called? The Japanese samurais or whatever, where they stab themselves rather than and like die on the battlefield in honor? I think you're really close, but I don't think it's that. I think Harry Carey? No. Ari Kari. Ari Kari is what that's called. Okay. Did I, you say I, I Harry Carey? Like as the broadcaster? I, I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think you're right, but I don't know enough about Japanese samurai. I'm not trying to appropriate their culture. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just... Saying that that's what that is. Ari, Kari. Fill some time yeah. here. I'm looking it up. Hari Kari. It, it is Hari Kari. Sometimes referred to as Haraki, is a form of Japanese ritual suicide by disembowelment. It was it was originally reserved for samurai, but also practiced by other Japanese people later on to restore honor for themselves or for their families. <laughs> I've watched samurai movies, Alex. I know what I'm talking about. I haven't watched a lot of samurai. Have you ever watched, uh, what's it called? Uh, Why Don't You Play in Hell? 
No. I don't watch a lot of samurai movie ones movies. I watched that one. I love that movie. Strongly recommend it if you're into that sort of thing. My dad is. My dad loves like The Last Samurai and all those. Like my dad really likes every kind of movie. Uh, like he's really he's just really into everything. Like he he tries all foods. He likes to try. He lo- he loves all cultures. He loves all film. He loves all TV shows. He loves all sports. He just he really just is interested in everything. And uh, so like growing up, I was exposed to just a lot of different things. But it's like he just watch different things on television. And I was just like, what what is this? You know, when Dad had the remote back as a kid, like we didn't have tablets, so it's like we're watching what Dad watches. So like watched a lot of samurai stuff. It was it was weird. I don't know, but I know what Harikari is. You know what? That's you just said the we didn't have tablets. Whatever Dad wanted to watch, you know, watch. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. I guess you're right. That's gonna be our back in my day. Yeah, it was whatever. It was whatever Dad or Mom wanted to watch. Like that's what we watched. Like I had a TV in my bedroom. Uh, like when sixth grade, I or when I was really little, I had a TV that my mom won. When she was in college at a raffle, it had antennas on it, and I'd watch Cartoon Network on that and play Sega Genesis on it. Just And I'm not that old where Sega Genesis was a re- relevant game console. It's just like that, like, you couldn't hook my PlayStation up to it. So, like, we would just play Sega on it. And then um, in sixth grade, I got a TV for Christmas in my bedroom, but it didn't have cable there. Like, I just, I played my PlayStation on it. That was it. And, like... They didn't have Netflix and stuff on PlayStation back then, so it was watch a DVD in your room or watch what your parents wanted to watch on TV. So, yeah, that was the back in my day. Man, you had a TV in sixth grade. I didn't get my first TV. Well, I shared a room with my brother until I was, like, I think a sophomore in high school. Sophomore, like, sophomore going into junior. And then... Because, you know, we had a kind of small house, and then we put an addition out there, and, you know, I took the old TV room, and it's like, oh, hey, guess what my room is now? I, I claim this. There you go. Yeah, I just, I, that was, like, the one thing I asked for, like, Christmas that year. I'm like, I just want a TV, like, because, like, I, I hated having to, we had one in our basement, but, like, I don't know, I just wanted to play PlayStation in my room, and I got it. It was it was a big deal. Just a big old tube TV, and had a built-in DVD player to the TV. One of those. Oh, man. So, did we transition to the second part of the show yet? I think so. Well, I'm going to do an ad read. So, the way this is going to work for the rest of the year, we're not going to do any more interviews unless we're really compelled by someone to talk to. Basically, for the remainder of the this season, it's going to come down to two parts. We're going to do Pirates Talk, and then we're going to do anything but Pirates Talk. Um, that's how we're going to separate it. So, if you're just listening to, to hear us talk about the Pirates... Tune out after I read this ad. Our, our second half of the show is brought to you by Slice on Broadway with locations in Carnegie, Beachview, the East End, and of course our favorite at PNC Park, Slice on Broadway, has it all. From their perfect pizza, spectacular salads, super delicious subs, everything they make is handmade and the best your money can buy. They wouldn't be able to sleep if it wasn't. Be sure to check them out and tell them the guys from the River Blast podcast sent you. That's just the facts. I mean, Slice on Broadway doesn't, doesn't go on any losing streaks. Slice on Broadway, undefeated since whenever they were founded. The best in the business. All right. You ready for this? I'm ready for this. All right. We're going to go on a wild roller coaster ride now. 
So I have three bullet points to round out our non-pirates talk. Ready? I'm going to read them off to you. This was no planning. Number one is Noah's thoughts. We're going to start with that. Number two is Alex's glow up. That's number two. And number three is Twitter topics, which if you follow our personal accounts on Twitter and our podcast account on Twitter, you might have contributed to this. But I have two random thoughts, and I'm going to try to just keep random thoughts going. Uh, I, I, I have a lot of random thoughts all the time, um, but there have been some gold ones lately that I just thought, and I just... The one time I was driving, and I just took my phone, and I just started recording, and then I later transcribed it and kind of broke it down to a simple process here. So here's my first random thought. Hey, hang on. Before, before you get started, are you a Lonely Island fan? Or did yes. You watch, uh, yes. 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 I can't get as high as Michael Bolton there, but... Yes. That's what's going through my mind. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, continue. You know what really gets me going, Alex? Like something that just will always put a smile on my face. Some stuff that like, and I I talked to Alexa about this one. And she looked at me like I was the most idiotic person ever for saying this. But you know what I just really enjoy? What do you enjoy, Noah? I enjoy a nice painting on a brick wall. It just really gets me going. It just fuels my fire. It makes my day better. I don't know why, but what are your thoughts on me saying this? You know what? I'm going to back you up. I like the exposed brick look in general. Yes. Yes. Like, put a nice painting. Look uh, at this. We got this right here. Exposed brick. That's pretty. That is. My, I mean, I feel like a nerd saying this, but, like, we're recording from my mom's basement right now. And it's because I'm still looking for an apartment here in Canton. Uh, I, ju- I just moved, okay? Give me a break. But... She's got this lovely exposed brick down here in her basement by her fireplace, and it's just it's just nice. I love some exposed brick, and, like, if you're walking in, like, a downtown area, maybe by a bar or something, and there's a nice painting on that exposed brick wall outside, I'm in. I don't care what, okay, maybe, like, there are, like, a few things, if there was a painting of, like, a couple symbols or messages that I would be like, no, we're going to have to paint over that one. But for the most part, I'm in. I'm in. Like, if you want me to donate to your your, your charity or something, it could be, like, you know, donate to, to this charity and you get a sixth toe. If it's a sick-ass painting... On, on, like, the brick walls. Like, I'm all in on the Sixth Toe campaign now. I love me a nice brick wall painting. You know what? I, I think you sold me on it, too. Yes. You know what's a, the best brick wall painting in Pittsburgh? What? Uh, there's two, actually. There's one. There's, oh, I mean, Randy Land, I guess, is, like, all brick wall paintings. So, that doesn't count. But, you ever been to Randy Land? I don't think so. Oh my god. How have you not been to Randy? You went to Point Park. I feel like that's like a required course at Point Park to go to Randy Land. You know what Randy Land is? No. Dude, really? Really? You need to go. It's this this area on the north side. It's like five minutes away from PNC Park. It's just this, this artist bought like 
like a, a, like half a block, like three or four buildings on a corner on the north side, and he just painted them by hand. And he's like, Google it after the show. It's incredible. And I've never been. Oh, dude, it's awesome. It's really cool. If you see pictures of it, like, I guarantee you, like, your friends have, like, been there and posted stuff on social media, and you're like, what is this? But, yeah, Randy Land, that's, like, the capital of brick paintings, but some other good ones. There's the one of all the athletes by the Children's Hospital, I think, and they've got, like, these pictures of, like, the Penguins and the Pirates and the Steelers. That's a cool one, but the best one is the new brick wall painting by the Clemente Museum. Did you see that one? No. Oh, wait, the one of Clemente on yeah, the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's nice. Yeah, that's a new... And that's brand new. Um, so that's my first thought. The brick paintings... Or the painting on a brick wall, I'm all in on that. I'm all in on it. There's a lot of them in Canton, and it just, just makes my freaking day when I drive by it. I've gotten to the point where, like, I honk at it. Like, I'm happy. Second thought... We're diverting. We're going to take a U-turn. We're going down another road. Using the bathroom at your parents' house. To me, I moved a lot. But you, you know, you grew up, I'm guessing, in the house that, you know, your parents still live in. Using that bathroom is the equivalent of an athlete returning to their old high school gym or football field or baseball field. It's like this is the place where I became who I am today. Like it is my like when I go back to my dad's house, and he's only lived there for like five or six years now. But like and I could not imagine going back to the bathroom in my childhood home in Eldersville, Pennsylvania. Because like that's your home turf. Like this is like it's like you see those videos of like Javi Baez or, like, other Latino players, like, going back to the Dominican or Puerto Rico, and it's like, this is the field where I learned how to play baseball. And it's like, I didn't, you know, all I did was poop in those bathrooms, but it, it's like, this is my home turf. Like, I just feel at home. Like, this is this is my home here. Like, I have never been more at peace just sitting on this toilet and reading the 2015 Baseball Almanac. You know, or... <laughs> <laughs> like that's what my dad has in the guest or in the bathroom upstairs. It's the top baseball almanac, 2015. It's got Mike Trout on the cover, and I I read through all the 2015 stats when I'm there. I'm old school like that, but yeah, dude. I was back home on Sunday for uh like an orthodontist appointment, and. Dude, when you're back home, using that bathroom, it's just nice, man. It's just as good as it gets. That's the good stuff. Alex, your thoughts? I, I'm not going to contribute to this at all. No. I'm, and I, then, I, I, I appreciate the home bowl. Yes, I appreciate the home bowl. Everyone but, dude, it. like, is there any better feeling on earth when you're, like, away for a month or something, like... When you're going away, like, as a kid at summer camp, or when you go on vacation, and then the first time you get to use your bathroom when you get home, it's, like, to me, that's better than, like, sitting on, like, sleeping in your bed, like, after you've been away for a week. Like, it's just, like, I am home. Like, the flag is planted. Like, we are back, baby. And then, 
Oh, to build upon my point, I feel like using the bathroom in a hotel room, that's like playing on an alternate field. It's like opening your season playing at uh, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium or like what the Mariners and the A's did. Like, we're playing opening day in Japan. Like, this is special. You know, like, not many people get to do this. So, like, you know, take this one in. This is going to be great. Have you ever been to Europe? No. No, I'm not big, not a big international traveler, Alex. Uh, All right. Well, if you, if you ever go, like, even if it's like, I'm not against it. I just don't do it. Anytime down the road, if you go like decades from now, I need to get a text or whatever, like the equivalent of a text is, you know, 20 years from now, like just went on a European toilet in your thoughts. The bidet? Not even the, just the bidet, just in general. It's different. It, I mean, there's really no other way of putting it besides different. It's not quite, you know, Australia goes the other way type way, but I've only been to Europe, You're be- so I can't. You ever been on a cruise? I have not. It's, I guess it's kind of like an airplane, too. Like, they say, they say make sure if you're a male, you're not sitting on the toilet when you flush on a cruise because it'll, like, suck your nuts into the bowl. Like, it, it like... <sighs> Like, it, like, sucks it hardcore. Like, it just, like, evaporates, basically. Like, shoots it into space, or I don't know where it goes. That's a good question. Where does all the waste go on a cruise ship? Where, where are we putting that? Mm-hmm. That sounds like something a news journalist would get behind. That sounds like my next scoop, Alex. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, dude. Cruise cruise bathrooms, they're no joke. They'll They'll, they'll fix you. Like, I'm not talking, like, fixing problems. I'm talking, like, take your dog to the vet, give him a hundred bucks, and he has to wear a cone around his neck because he can't have babies anymore. He can't make babies anymore. That kind of fixing. Some old-school fixing. That's what a cruise ship will do to you if you sit down when you flush. I had this speech given to me by my grandfather, my late grandfather, R.I.P. Pap Hiles, uh, when when I slept with, or when I was in the, when we went on a cruise in eighth grade, um, not everyone in my family was in eighth grade, just me. And I, I had to share a room with my grandparents and my pap said, don't, he gave me this big talk. Make sure you're not sitting down on the, on, on the toilet when you flush because it'll suck your nuts up and you won't be able to have kids. But who does that? Who sits and flushes? Yeah. Um... You know, sometimes you want to give a courtesy flush. I don't know. I'm not that guy. But, like... I I can't trust people who who flush whenever they're still sitting on the toilet. I don't know, man. It can can splash you. Yeah, but, like, if you're you're about to get in the shower, I, I, I don't know. Like, sometimes... Like, you don't think about it, but I'm sure we've all done it. I I don't think I've ever done that. All right, so those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts. Alright. Incredible. Okay. What was the second, or second topic we had for today? I gotta look it up. Here, hang on. Hang on. Because my second topic of the day is Alex's glow up. Oh. I need to look up a stat. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in the history of the internet, my co-host, Alexander... Jay Stumpf has more Twitter followers than me. Ba-dum, ba-dum, bum, 
And I came in with a commanding lead this year. A commanding lead of over, like, a couple hundred. But my boy is grinding, and all you fake-ass friends unfollowed me after I left the Pirates. So I'm back down under 1,600, and Alex is at 1,616. So congrats to you. You've taken the lead. I, I would like to thank uh, all the Russian bots. Yeah. <laughs> no. And you've got a good ratio. Like you're almost like you're almost like plus one thousand. Like you're at like seven hundred something followers and six or you're following like seven hundred you have like sixteen hundred followers. I'm at like nine hundred ninety I'm following and like fifteen eighty five. I'm slipping. Yeah, well I mean, new job. Yeah. New market. Ruining the pirates because you, you left Pittsburgh. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I, it's my fault. If yeah. Nutting wants to pay me the, the the league minimum that players get paid, I'll come back in whatever role necessary. Isn't it like Waterboys? Wasn't that like a meme that went around like Waterboys make 50 grand a year in the NFL? I mean, that'd be great. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Like, well, screw everything else I've been working towards. So, no, I, I haven't even come close to making as much as a water boy in a year. That's nice. Oof. All right. So that's one part of your glow up is you've got more Twitter followers than me. And the other part of my glow up on Alex is this. My dad sent this to me. This comes on Twitter via at... Teznaz GV, his real name is Thomas, and it says, oh, not sure if anyone pointed it out yet, but at Alex J. Stump, you were featured on Quick Pitch this morning. And there, sure enough, there's your stat. It's actually a pretty lame stat considering everything that you've tweeted. Yeah, like Josh Bell becomes the first pirate to hit 30 homers in a season since Pedro Alvarez. Like, my friend Tom's 99-year-old grandma could have told you that. Like, that's not that big of a stat. I don't know why they needed to cite you on that, but congrats on getting on Quick Pitch. That's pretty cool. Thank you. And I, I almost always watch Quick Pitch at, like, 3 a.m. whenever I'm getting ready to go to sleep. And I didn't last night. And, of course, that's the night my tweet gets featured. All right. No one – I didn't expect it to be a featured tweet. That's- so – Yay, Alex! Yes. Yay, Alex. All right, so now we're going to move into the final part of the show. Alex tweeted this from our uh, show's account, which you should follow on Twitter, at River Blast Radio. And he said, any suggestions for non-baseball-related topics we should discuss on the podcast? I'm just going to go through the thread and read them all, okay? And we're just going to go through them rapid fire. Ready? All right. So do you like... Weather. This is a GIF from North Shore 9. It's the Jonah Hill GIF. Um, do I like weather? I'm going to a concert tomorrow. Train in the Goo Goo Dolls. It's a, now that is a billing right there. Well, it's, it's a Christmas present for Alexa. We're going. Um, so today, I'll be there singing my one Goo Goo Dolls song. I know two Goo Goo Dolls songs. I know probably like a half dozen train songs. 
But, you know, happy girlfriend. Happy. Um, yeah, I'm happy, I guess. Yeah. So, I, I, I just hope the weather holds up for tomorrow. Alex, your thoughts on the weather? Uh, Train was like a guilty pleasure Alex band back in high school. I, I kind of like shunned that off, but... Bum, 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 bum. She acts like summer and walks like rain. Reminds me that there's time to change. Musical episode of the River Blast podcast. Uh, weather, I like, I guess I like weather. I'm no Mike Trout, but yeah. Okay. So next one comes from at Yin's Above Replacement, a loyal listener. Uh, he says, as always, I vote SpongeBob. So, Alex, did you watch SpongeBob as a kid? I did. I didn't have cable growing up as a kid, so I had to watch it on DVDs and VHSs. Like we talked about. Yeah, which, so I have a different appreciation for SpongeBob, because I think whenever you watch it in syndication and you don't know what you're going to get, that's fine. But I had like the first three seasons on DVD, those so are I watched. The best. Those are by far the best, and I watched the ever-loving crap out of those. Dude, first. like, and, like, well, are the other ones just not as good, or do I only have too many nostalgic feelings about these ones? I, I think those three are just by far the best quality-wise. Yeah, I mean, like the the really old ones are still funny to this day. Like, I'll never forget. I was homeschooled one time. Uh, home from school sick with like I think I had like strep throat like I remember my throat was killing me and I remember I was watching the episode for the first time with the hooks the hooks the hooks Squidward the hooks and at the end of the episode uh they're reeling in like they're stealing someone's pants I forget I think it was was it Mr. it was Spongebob yeah they're stealing Spongebob's pants with the and like I just remember my dad and I, but that was the first time I ever saw my dad cry, and it was tears of laughter. That SpongeBob thing, and I was laughing so hard and it hurt my throat. That was just the funniest thing in the world. I think it was all downhill after the movie. Well, yeah, that's whenever uh, the creator left. Stephen, yeah. Uh, or, yeah. So after the movie, it was all done. Um, but yeah, I was a big Spongebob fan growing up. I love that. Um, I love the, the, I mean, there's so many ones. Like, there's, we're not, we can't get into it that deep. But, like, the Krusty Krab pizza is the pizza for you, man. I mean, that's a classic. There's so many ones. The Wormy episode is, like, the best one. I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. The best joke in the entire series is whenever they learn the swear word. And he comes into the Krusty Krab. He's like, hey, Patrick, how the bleep are you? Pretty bleeping good. <laughs> that's the best one. <laughs> Dude, I, no, the one where his breath stinks. And he's just like, look at him. Look at him. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> look at him. Uh, there's, there's so many good ones. Like, <laughs> all right. We're moving on now to Steelers and that tweeted Whippeal football. Alex, I'm just going to keep it simple. You've you've covered Whippeal football for the Beaver County Times as have I, and I've called games for the Trib. I'm going to ask you best team that you've covered, best 
Whitfield football player you've ever covered? Go. Uh, uh, West Allegheny in, I believe it was 2017. I think that's the year whenever I did a ton. Or 2016. 2016. They won the the Whitfield that year. Yeah. Josh Bell homered, Marte scores, Pirates are tied. Continue. Wow. Uh, That was the last year Palco won a Whitfield title. That was the best team, Whitfield team I ever covered, and the best player on that team was probably Kenny White, running back. You could run out of the option. You could do the Wildcats. Crazy kick returner. My cousin was on that team. Really? Yeah. So was it 2016 whenever White was a sophomore? I think. I, think. I, I mean, if, if you're talking West A teams, I know you probably didn't cover them. But a couple years earlier when they had Mike Caputo, uh, they were probably even better. They won the Whitfield that year as well. That's when they faced off against Russell, Russell Shell and Hopewell in the Whitfield championship game. It was like, Two 2,000-yard-plus backs played off against each other. Each of them had, like, 40 carries that game. It was awesome. But that's a good pick. Best Whippeal football team that – oh, and then you said the best player – not on that team, just in general. Would you say that was the best player you covered, though, the West Allegheny kid? Probably, because I I did a lot of Whippeal stuff, but I was kind of on, like, a de facto West Allegheny beat because everyone knew that this team was going to be, you know, competing for Whippeal, and I was the best freelancer. At the time, so it's like just send them out there, you know, have them cover every game for them. So I didn't see a ton of different players, but Kenny was the best player on that team, so I'm going to give it to him. Okay. Mine, I'm going to include played against because I did play against a lot of really good teams. I mean, I played at Burgettstown, which, like, has no – I mean, they're pretty good now, actually. They have a really good program, but um, shout out to Coach Druga. But when I played, they weren't really anything special. But we played in a really good conference – uh, my claim to fame is I tackled Jesse James, former Steelers tight end, current Detroit Lion. Uh, he, I wouldn't say he was the most dominant player I played against, though. Um, Zach Challingsworth from South Fayette was really good my senior year. Uh, he went to Pitt. He didn't really do much. Justin Watson was also on that team. He plays for the Tampa Bay Bucks now. Those were their two starting receivers, like, a D1 commit and an NFL receiver now. Uh, I did not have fun covering them. Um, the best kid that we played, I forget his name, but he went to Steel Valley. He was a running back, and he committed to, like, UConn, but then he lost his scholarship because he, like, got caught stealing laptops or something. But the dude ran for, like, he led the whip on rushing my sophomore year. That was probably the best player that I played against. I mean, I just remember watching him and just thinking, like, there's no, like, on film, and just thinking, like, there's no way we can stop him. And boy, was I right. I mean, there was no way we could have stopped him. The best team I played against would be the Clarendon Bears. Uh, 20, I want to say 2010. That's when they, they, that team had Kevin Witherspoon, uh, Desmond Green, Tyler Boyd, uh, they had the terrible tees, so it was like Terish Webb, I believe, and um, Titus Howard, I think, was the other one. Like they had like seven or eight Division One athletes on a team that had, you know, it was a single A team. You know, there there were they graduated like seventy kids, and that was the that was the year the streak started. They lost the Laurel in the first game of the season, and then they won like seventy seven straight games after that. 
that's where the dynasty began. I mean, they had already won Whitfield Championships prior to that, I believe, but that's when, like, the Clarendon Bears became the Clarendon Bears that year, and we played them my freshman year. I played five plays, and I was scared to death to play against them. They were a force. The best team that I've covered football-wise, um, you see, I never got to cover Aliquippa. Like, I'm salty about that. Like, I never got assigned one of their games. So, the best football team that I guess I've covered would have been... I don't know. This last year, I saw Shadyside Academy, when they were healthy, was pretty impressive. This last year, they lost in the semifinals. But that's that would be it. I didn't do a lot of football coverage for the Times. I was mainly back at the office on Friday nights. So Shadyside Academy with with Mike Tomlin's kids and Sky Moore. He's a commit to Western Kentucky as a quarterback. First Whippeal player in history to throw for 1,000 and rush for 1,000. And he did it in back-to-back seasons in the regular season, not like including the playoffs. That was an impressive team, impressive player, most impressive Whippeal player that I've covered for football. It might be Sky Moore. He was pretty good. He was pretty good. Uh... If not him, this Ben Hughes kid for uh, Riverside this upcoming year is pretty good. So, there you go. That's my long explanation of Whitfield football. I love talking Whitfield football, man. You know, I I didn't have really that much connection to like Whitfield football because my school was Baldwin, and they were consistently terrible. I think the only time they made the playoffs whenever I was in high school was my senior year, and I think it was just they had two – two conference wins and they snuck it as the last wild card because there of we it. go so they're really good so all right I, I know like beaver county area whip your football uh it's a big deal more bro i used to cover it i didn't cover it i i think i only covered like one or two games last year i doubt i'll even do that much this year i'll be on tv on sports time ohio every friday night that's right tune in all right so Best Pittsburgh ice cream stop. Just give me your be- favorite ice cream in Pittsburgh. Go. You know, I, I really like Raiders. I know that's kind of a cheating answer, but I'm more of like a frozen type of way. But I, I grew up like a stone's throw away from Pages. Everyone who grew up in Baldwin has to say Pages also. Pages Dairy Mart. So that's another answer. All right. So hand- handled by a Century 3 area. Handles is my girlfriend used to work at Handles. It was awesome, uh, but so my answer would be Kips and Moon, and it's a dog themed ice cream place, and you can bring they have a big cork board, and you can bring pictures of your dog, and just put pictures on there, and you will find a picture of my best friend Macy, who's no longer with us, uh, on that cork board still today, and you could bring your dog there, and they give your dog free ice cream. Uh, I really like that place out in Moon, Kips. Uh, the other ice cream place that I have to give a shout-out to was Aloha Delights and Tans. Yes, I said that correctly. It's an ice cream place with a tanning salon connected, and that was my first job of my life. I worked there. I got paid $4 an hour. It was incredibly illegal. I simply did it to pay for uh, to make enough money where I could buy bleacher seats and Pirates games to watch, you know, Last Sings Millage, or whoever they had out in left field at that time. 
bless your soul. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that, that's a little illegal there, but why would you go to tanning and then get ice cream? It was just separate. Like the tanning, the tanning was upstairs. The ice cream place was downstairs. And the guy who ran it was just like, he was from Tennessee. I, my guess he's probably like an at large felon. Like he paid us in cash under the table. It was $4 an hour. I worked there because I could walk there from my house or ride my bike. Like it was, you know, and like no one came in. Like the place was a total joke. So I would sit there and watch the pirates and eat ice cream all day. You know, it wasn't a bad gig. Like, it sucked that I didn't get paid well. But, like, that's the life I signed up for, if we're being honest. It was good prep for, like, the real world. What? Because I've done, like, I've done, like, pizza. I did a lot of pizza whenever I was in college. And, you know, almost all of them just play, pay you under the table, but which isn't enough. But then, you know, you get the tips on top of it. Yeah, but, like, no one tips ice cream people. Like, we would say that you should tip, but, like, or, like... That, that, yeah, that was his rationale. It's like, you get paid through tips. But we had to split it between three people. So, like, our tip jar would have, like, $13 in it. It's like, we got to divide this by three. So it's like, okay. I made, like, an extra couple bucks. Like, this was stupid. Moving forward. Nathan Swartz says, two, that, that alien show with the dude from Blink-182. Never saw it. Have you? I have not. Dairy Girls on Netflix, no thoughts, never saw it. Putting a baseball card museum in PNC Park. Now, I would like that. Yeah, I, I could get behind that. The most essential things to use if you are a cord cutter. Wow, this is a lot. That's just one tweet from Nathan, Nathan Swartz. Um, most essential things to use if you're a cord cutter? I would probably say uh, a bar to watch live sporting events. Yeah, I mean, that's the only reason. I don't need, you know, I don't need cable TV for scripted shows anymore. It's just sports. Yeah, that's 100%. And, like, I read Bill Brink had an interesting story the other day about, like, the Pirates TV rights. And he said, like, their new contract, whoever it's with, like, they're going to find a way where, like, you can stream it live. You know, because it stinks that, like, if you pay for the MLB extra innings thing through MLB.com, that you can watch every broadcast except the team in your area. Because for a lot of people, like, a lot of people our age don't have cable. And if they didn't have that, and I could, if I was able to watch the Pirates in Pittsburgh, you know, by streaming, there's no chance I would have had cable. I would have just got the the antenna so I could watch all my news, and then I have Netflix and Hulu, and then I have my MLB thing to watch the Pirates, and I'm good to go. So, yeah, I, I would just say live close to a bar. That way you can watch sports live because it sucks watching them on a delay on a Reddit stream. Best tropical island to visit? I've been to one. Bahamas. Have you ever been to a tropical island, Alex? I have been to Hawaii. Okay. Best concert you've ever attended? Justin Timberlake. Alex. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever really gone to a concert that I really, really like, like pop star like that. I mean, Justin Timberlake was just an incredible show. Yeah, I mean, he's an entertainer. That's, yeah. He does. I mean, there's some. I, I might go see Chance whenever he comes to Pittsburgh. Chance, you know? Chance is a close second. 
I saw Chance a week after I graduated college, and it. My favorite song of all time is Sunday Candy, and when he played that, I I was I had tears in my eyes. I mean, it was one of the happiest moments of my life. Top five happiest moments of my life. The one the one problem with the one thing that's holding me back from the Chance thing is a I don't think the price t- the ticket prices have been released yet. Mm-hmm. But you know if it, if I could get tickets for a hundred bucks, I'd probably do it. Except the new album is kind of garbage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went, I went like my senior year coloring book was hot. Like Chance was in his, like Chance was like on his come up into the mainstream, and it was it was electric. Missed that, and I was so angry, and that's why I'm. I guess I'm gonna go this time, even though. What's the meme? Where it's like, well, that was a nothing lie. I, I know what you're talking about, but I can't. It's uh, it's Chance in Ultralight Beam. He's like, I met Kanye West. I'm never going to fail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, all right. So we're moving forward now. Why doesn't Dairy Queen have a Kit Kat Blizzard? Because life, y- you can't have everything. You know, you got because if you have a Kit Kat Blizzard from Dairy Queen, then what else? Wh- why else will we get out of bed? You know, like, we've got to strive for something in life, Nathan Swartz. Anything to add? No, no, I can't talk that. Robert Haglund Jr. wants to know, I'd like to hear about this year's core of international signees. Not today. I'm not talking about that today. I'm sorry. I don't know anything about it. I have not researched it. Fall talk. That's fall, yeah, that's off-season talk. Uh... And, and I, I'll just flat out say that I don't know the international market well enough to talk about it at large yet. Blind Joe Death says, "Cheese." Here's a take: I hate cheese. I don't like cheese. I hate it. I think it's gross. Uh, I like pizza cheese. Like I like mozzarella sticks. Like I'll go. I'll deal with mozzarella as long as I can dip it in some marinara sauce. But overall. Like, any yellow cheese, any stinky cheese, nacho cheese, get it out of my face. It's the worst. It's gross. I hate it. I know that people are probably... If you're still listening after all of this, I give you props. But cheese sucks. I'm out on cheese. Alex? I'm, I'm out on cheese, too. I like fresh mozzarella, and I can deal with, like, American cheese. If someone hands me a cheeseburger, it's like, all right, I could eat that, but it, I never put cheese on anything. All right. Someone just said, Bill Lofquist says the Pirates to Bill, I would say. I hope you're still not listening because we warned you that this was going to happen. All right. And same to our guy, um, our guy Murray. Murray, uh, I don't I, I want to say his last name. I don't know if he would appreciate that or not. But uh, his Twitter handle is at S-P-A-Z-A-R-U. Um, and he's been a loyal supporter of the podcast on Twitter. He's given us lots of shout-outs, but he was not into the idea of us not talking about Pirates baseball. And Murray, man, I'm sorry. There's just not a lot to talk about. This team stinks. <laughs> We're going to go back to the non, non-topics non now. We've got two left. Uh, Nathan Swartz again has <laughs> asked about 30,000 questions. Nathan Swartz, you're done on this on this. Subject. No more questions for like a month for you until September. Um, what's your go-to golf 
club in your bag. Alex, how many times have you been golfing? I have been golfing, I think, three times. And it's it's kind of amazing because, like, growing up, my dad, uh, we had a family friend at the church we went to growing up. And one of the, you know, he really liked my dad. He took us out golfing. He's a really good golfer. Like, he was on the uh, varsity team at Bethel Park, and I think he might have even played in college. I don't know if he did or not. Really good guy. I went golfing out with him once. It was, like, my first time ever golfing. And, like, on the first hole, it's in South Park, and it's not that long a drive in one of the first holes. And I got all of it, best swing of my life, beginner's luck, and I got it on the green on the first shot. I I, I four-putted, but I got it on the green on the first shot, and that is the best I will ever do as a golfer. So what's your go-to club? Uh, The putter. You just said you four-putted. That was the best aspect of my game on the day. Okay. Or whatever hole that was, but the rest of the day I was pretty solid. So, I, I would say I'm better at golf than Alex. I'm by no means a great golfer. Uh, last summer, I was a very frequent golfer. Um, this summer, not so much, just with everything I've had going on. I, I haven't got out to the course a lot. I'd say probably played probably under 10 times this year, which is definitely a lot less than I'd like to. I played last weekend. I shot 53 on, you know, nine holes, which isn't great. Normally, I'm like high 40s. Uh, I think my best is like, like 40, 45, 44, which still, again, not great, but being honest with you guys, um, I would say my best clubs, I'm really good with the irons. Uh, I'm not great off the tee, partially because the course I play the most is Scally's just cause it was close to my dad's house. When I lived at home, it was cheap and you only need to bring like three or four clubs and it's fun, fun, cheap golf. And I play, I'm more comfortable with my irons. Uh, I would say either my five or my seven. If I if I need to, if I need to make like a tough shot, be it on the fairway or in the rough, like in the woods somewhere, um, my five iron I, I feel comfortable hitting just about any. I I've hit off a tee, you know. I, I hit off tees with it when it's like a par three. Um, I don't know. I I rarely hit a bad shot with my five iron and my seven iron. I feel like seven iron something that a lot of people that are like a three wood would probably be like people's most comfortable club my five seven and even my nine i'm pretty confident with as well so those would be my three clubs that i'm most confident with final answer though five iron i i really like my five iron i'm glad you could give a proper answer okay for this so that bring up mini golf i can handle my own there dude all right alex any final thoughts the pirates are winning this game by the way they're up seven to five did we have one more topic Oh, yes, we did. We sure did. It is uh, what? Oh, yes. Here, let me look at who asked it because I closed it out. This is from N.R. Norris. He wants to know what happened to horror films. Hmm. I think this is a sad answer. This is a sad answer. But I think we live in a world now where more scary stuff happens in reality than you can put on a movie. Like, I think there's just more fear in our world now that we're just not... That or we've already seen it all. Like, it's just so realistic now. Like, we've seen all the ideas and everything. Like, how many Halloween movies can you make? But, like, 
there, a mass shooting can happen when you can go to Walmart. Like, no one's scared of Freddy Krueger anymore. That's a sad re- re- like, that's a sad answer. I hate to, like, be that way, but, like, that's an honest answer. I just think that we live in a very scary world now, and horror movies aren't that good anymore because we're, we're more scared when we leave the theater. We're more scared to be in the movie theater than we are watching the movie in the theater. See, I was going to have, like, an actual criticism of, like, Hollywood and, you know, mass-producing. No, go ahead, give it. You know, everything. All right. Uh, It's the same way how, like, now the big franchises are, you know, there's Star Wars again and how there's going to be a new Indiana Jones movie. And so many of these big tentpole franchises, even Marvel, which was big in, like, the 60s and 70s, just adaptations of that how we're not creating new mediums as much as we are just cashing in on other ones from previous decades. And that's what happened to horror in general, but horror movies don't cost as much money to make. So while star Wars was, you know, this big grandeur event that would take still years to make, you could pop out, you know, four Halloween movies in five years. So there was fatigue there and eventually they just raised the stakes and now it's getting the stupid supernatural. There's still some good horror movies, but I think the best example would be like, look at The Conjuring, which is the best horror franchise I think of the decade. And it's like, oh yeah, Conjuring one, that's really good. Conjuring two, yeah, yeah, that's good. And then now no one cares about it because they just made it an annual thing. Yeah, so, I would agree with that. I think, mm, I don't know, like I can't remember the last time I was like really, really scared. Like. Also, tor- Torture porn, like the Saw movies, ruined horror. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know where you're going with that. But, um, yeah. Yeah, like, what what's the scariest movie you ever watched as a kid? Like, one that just petrified you? Uh, I didn't watch, I'm not a huge horror movie guy in Me general. Neither. Me neither. Uh, what's it called? Oh, there was one that messed me up. Oh. And it's not like big one. It's not like Halloween or something. Like I got deceived into thinking like this isn't a horror movie, and then it maybe wasn't like a real horror movie, but it was scary as hell. I have I I remember watching Pet Cemetery. It was after basketball practice in fifth grade. We all went to my one friend's house, and we bought we stayed up all night, and we watched that probably at like three a.m. And I was scared for the next week. That 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 movie messed me up. Another movie that scared the hell out of me was Titanic. I was so scared of the Titanic, man. That 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 stuff freaked me the hell out. We had, I was scared to get in showers after that because it just gave me PTSD that the boat was filling up and I was gonna die. Titanic, scary movie for Noah Hiles. Those two, Pet Cemetery and Titanic. Everyone's favorite love story. I was scared to death. I'm like, what do you mean those little kids are just going to stay in that bed with their mom? They're going to die. To a lesser extent, Casino Royale, the the first Daniel Craig Bond movie, the, uh, that came out whenever I was like 13 or 14. That was like one of the first PG 13 movies I've watched in theaters. And whenever, uh, she drowns at the end. That messed me up also. Just like how, at the time, realistic it looked. On that, like how, she's like, yeah, I, I, I see it. There's nothing you can Yo, do. 
Jaws also. Jaws is scary as hell. If you go to the beach the summer after you watch Jaws. What? I laugh through Jaws. I don't think it's one of Spielberg's better movies. You ever go to you ever go you ever go to Universal Studios and ride the Jaws ride? The Jaws ride is gone, man. Yeah, I know, but were you there when it was there? No, no, um, we that were thing, always a dip. That's the thing. The movie didn't really mess me up, but like riding the ride at Universal and having like the big shark pop out in front of you when you're twelve and then like you go to the beach later that day, it's like, no thanks. I mean, I don't blame you. So do you have a, do you have a horror movie or not? Uh, the the expedition expedition Everest one in uh, Disney. They have like that Yeti yeah. animatronic. Yeah. Kind of the same. That one got me. It's like, oh, that's that's a lot scarier than I expected. I'm talking about movies, not rides. Okay, but you just brought up the ride aspect of it, though. Okay. Like how that's different. Okay. We're getting off topic. In this segment where we were just trying to be off topic yes. instead of talking. We, we've gone for an hour and 12 minutes now. I cannot believe we've gone this long. This is going to be the longest episode of the podcast and there's going to be like 20 minutes. Of we talked for the Pirates for 20, 28 minutes, I think. So we've talked for about non-sports longer. All right, it's time to wrap it up. Alex, any final thoughts? We were talking about rides. I'm going to defend the, that last tangent I went on. You know, the Exterminator kind of scared me a little bit as a kid, too. Back in Kennywood. Just uh, the entrance, it's all dark. There's big rats. What was the uh, dark ride? That's... The haunted house ride. The old mill? Forget no. that. Forget that ride. I'm out on the old mill. That, that, was, best... that was scary. Noah's Ark yeah. was scary. Noah's, Noah's Ark, they remodeled it. There was one point whenever you turn a corner, there was like a, a gorilla in, in like flashing lights. And as I turned that corner, like someone further up at the party fell down and it made like this humongous thump. That was... Dude, I'm, I'm scared right now. Like thinking about like my PTSD from Noah's Ark in Kennywood as a kid. I and like everyone would give me crap. Like, you're Noah, this is your ride, blah blah blah. Like I when I was like eight, I got off that early. Like I was like, get me out of here. This thing sucks. Like it's old, it's crowded, it's hot, and it's freaky. It's just it's 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 not cute. I don't like it. Get me out. I remember we left the emergency exit in that room where they're like there's like the water coming down. I was out. I was out. Like the whale tongue. What? That was the end of the ride. Oh, it is? I thought... You go through that emergency exit, quote-unquote. So, so at least you went through the whole thing. That's it. I won't go in it again. I'm out on Noah's Ark. Forever. That part's gone. Noah's Ark's gone? Well, no, no. That part of Noah's Ark's gone. It's a different ending. Is it still scary? Not really. The old mill was scary. Can we agree that the old mill was very scary? The old, old mill? Yeah. I never went on the old, old mill. Now it's Garfield. Now it's Garfield, yeah. That's that's not a good ride. No. I haven't oh. been to Kennywood all year. I was going to say, I, how many good rides are really at Kennywood? Like, five? Six? Uh, Phantom? 
is one of like the best coasters I've ever been on. I I I I love Jackrabbit. The Phantom's a replacement level replacement level roller coaster at Cedar Point. No, no. Phantom Phantom is a solid 6-4 roller coaster. No, my god. The Phantom is the Colin Moran of roller coasters at any at, at Cedar Point. It is just we're just getting its bat in the lineup, but like if he's on the IL, the team won't bat an eye. No, no, no. If it's at Cedar Point, he is Max Muncie on the Dodgers. No way. No way. If if the Phantom's at Cedar Point, that is not even on my priority to ride. Like I might ride that later in the night after I've rode like all the good ones. All the good ones. Like, which ones are better? Millennium Force. I haven't rode, rode Steel Vengeance yet. The Dragster, the the Val Raven, the Gatekeeper, the Mantis, uh, Maverick. Like these are all off the top of my head without thinking. All better than the Phantom. I I like uh, Phantom over Maverick. And how many times Mantis. have you been to Cedar Point? Three. Okay. Three times. That's enough. That's enough to yeah. to know. I'm disappointed, Alex. There's there's far better rides in the Phantom. Phantom's a good roller coaster, but it's just Cedar Point's a league of its own. Now, Skyrocket is the replacement level roller coaster. Skyrocket. That's where it just shoots you up, right? Kennywood, yeah. Yeah. All right. What other good ones are there? I like the Arrow 360. I like. I, I really like Swing Shot. That's. It's the same thing, except you just go halfway. Yeah. And Black Widow. Black Widow is also a lot of fun. Oh, I like, wait. That I one. feel like that I'm pulling out of my seat. What's the one where the your nuts would get smashed? King Kahuna. That one That one sucked. <laughs> Just because you smashed your balls, man. That one was horrible. <laughs> oh, Remember that, man. dude? That sucked. Oh, man. I'm going to tweet out on the... Uh... <laughs> Maybe I should. Just tweet out, like, advertising this story. It's like, someone please tell me how many times Noah says nuts in this episode. Just a couple times. Just talking about nuts getting sucked up in a in a toilet and getting your balls smashed on the King Kahuna. Oh, man. Good times. Good times. All right. Alex, final thoughts. This time it's for real. We're done. I got to be at work at, like, yeah. I've got to worry to write, man. End of episode. End of episode. End of episode. What do you got? No, that's it. Just end of episode. Let's go. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. You know our handles. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, eat our pizza. We'll see you next week. Hopefully the pirate. There's no way there's going to be any interesting storylines unless someone gets fired. We'll still keep bringing you the content. If you listen to this full episode, tweet at us. We will give you something. I don't know what it is, but we will get you something as a reward. If you listen to this full episode... Tweet at us and let us know. We will reward you. Till next time, let's go Bucks.